Robins at the Gate with Sky Sports and Five Lives Michelle Owen. With Who Knows Wins, this is not betting as you know it. Put your money where your mates are. Playing is easy. Make your predictions on the outcomes of your chosen fixtures. For every result you predict correctly, you get a point in your league. At the end of the competition, whoever's got the most points wins and proves their top dog. Choose your own entry fee, however substantial or small, and split the winner's pot as you see fit. Who Knows Wins. Download the app now and start playing. Welcome along to Robins at the Gate with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor after a fantastic win in the seven-side derby which sees Bristol City going to the international break in fifth position in the championship table. We'll be talking about that Cardiff performance and streaky Bristol City. Are they still streaky? Uh, the free agent market may need to be tapped into especially given Bristol City's injury list at the moment. And there is a big name being talked about this week. We'll talk about that. And we've also been finding out about some promising youth players too, which we'll talk about a little later on. So, Gregor, welcome along. Well, talk about grinding out a result on Friday night. It all felt a bit weird. 6pm kickoff and they got the job done. A perfect start. And after that, really, they just had to grind it out, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Just just needed that one shot on target. Incredible. <laughs> and that was enough. Yeah, that was enough for them. Only four shots altogether. And Jamie Patson didn't even get a shot in the game. So, so yeah, we will... We'll, um, well, it, was a, it wasn't the greatest attacking performance, but that's what happens in this league. And if you go to Cardiff, you're going to... You're going to be put under the cosh at times. They they can go direct, can't they? The home mm-hmm. side. You you've probably seen more of them than I have. But Kiefer Moore, he just <laughs> absolutely battered, battered the the back, the two central defenders. I did feel a little bit sorry for Thomas Callas and Zach Vine at times, but, yeah. but they got the result. Yeah, I mean, you think that Thomas Callas not so long ago fractured his cheekbone. He was really being put under it by Kiefer Moore at times, and Zach Viner, I think, has been. Fantastic this season so far. But yeah, when you look at the stats, it's quite incredible that Cardiff had 17 shots. Okay, they only had five on target, but it was just the perfect start, wasn't it? And, you know, when you looked at Bristol City's lineup, you thought, oh, that looks quite attacking. But it turned out to be far from it. There were some worries that in midfield that Bristol City would be a bit lightweight. What did you think? Yeah, I, first of all, you're right. It was the perfect start. And one complaint I've had at times is that Bristol City have started games a little bit slowly, but that certainly wasn't the case here. I often think that early goals are a sign of um, a really happy squad and a squad that's in sync. And yeah, they got that. Probably sort of shocked the home side a little bit with that. Mm. And yeah, in terms of the lineup, we, our impression was that it was going to be 4-3-3, sort of carrying on from what we saw at the end of the game at Huddersfield when they actually played some of their best attacking football of the season. They were mm. really rampant in that in the, that final half an hour at uh, the John Smith Stadium. And yeah, so those guys were mostly trusted to do the same thing again. Obviously, Antoine Semenyo was starting rather than coming off the bench and he played an uh, integral role in the goal setting up for his third league assist of the season. And yeah, he's got a goal now, Yeah, absolutely. He's, yeah, he's got a couple in the Carabao Cup. I'd like to see him, as you say, yeah, get that first league one. And I think that would really give him the confidence to then kick on again. And he is getting better and better. It's been, I mean, him coming through, Tyreek Backinson coming through. That's, that's, that's really great signs for Bristol City young players developing very nicely. Um, but yeah, to take your wider point about the central midfield, 
you're absolutely right. I do have a little bit of a worry that at times Bristol City can be outfought in the middle. Mm. And I think Joe Rawls and uh, Marlon Pack, even to an extent, did get on top of them a little bit too much. And we've seen in other games as well, when Bristol City haven't been able to impose themselves on the game, it's largely been, in my opinion, because the, the middle two, three have been a, a bit outfought in the middle there, which mm. is maybe why they needed a plan B when when Vyman and Patterson in the middle hasn't really worked. Uh, but they do have that coming. Uh, let's not forget that I think Joe Williams, when he comes back in, he's going to add real physicality in there. And, and Liam Walsh can, can get his foot in as well. So, so yeah, they might have that on the way. We just, we, we just haven't seen it yet. What I really liked was before the game, you and I spoke to Dean Holden and, you know, we talked about the obvious and you wouldn't give much away sort of tactically. But um, he said this before the game. To be honest, I'm disappointed about the grassroots side of it. Um, some of the rules that are coming out, I'd, I don't agree with, but I've, you know, I've got to be careful, of course, what I say about that. I think people are really struggling at the moment. Um, we're talking here about a game of football, which means so much to so many people. But this second lockdown, I think, is going to provide real problems for, for a lot of people. And we have to somehow stay together with that. We have to, as I said there, we've, you know, I've had texts from our players that are injured at the moment saying, Andy Vyman texts me saying, I think I might have hurt my knee again, jumping up with that second goal going in. So there's a lot of support coming from our players, but that's how the how the fans are feeling. We, we I say to the players, we can go out and put in a performance tomorrow, which gets, a, which gets a win, which literally will help our supporters get through the weekend. And it's as simple as that. And that's, that's part of the, not the pressure, but part, that's part of, of what we're about is, is, is trying to win football games for Bristol City. But we know what it means to the wider community. And um, this is, as I say, a real tough month in front of people. And, and our job is to go out and, and put some smiles on faces. And, and that's all we can do that. Gregor Dean Holden there. Really, he's so passionate, isn't he? And I, I, I don't know if I'm having a short memory, but I just don't remember Lee Johnson speaking about fans in quite the same way that Dean Holden does. You know, he, he said himself the tricky times, and that's an understatement really, that, that people are going through at the moment and how much football means to them and how it can make their weekend. And I was a guest on the Three Peas in a Pod podcast um, with some Bristol City fans uh, Patch and Rich on Saturday and they were talking about it and they were saying how he gets it and how it means so much to them that he understands and how it did really make their weekend and they went into the weekend with a bus and they went into the weekend with a spring in their steps so you know it's not just words is it and when you saw his face at the end of the game it's almost a little bit scary but how happy he was that that Bristol City had won and I guess the relief as well to go into the international break with that win has Dean Holden got quite a special connection with fans already it's getting that way I, yeah I, I think it, it definitely is getting that way I I like that picture that's outside the Three Lions pub of in Holden we trust that, um, that he went obviously went down to the pub there and, yeah. and met up with the pub landlord Sean and everything and yes those little things going on the radio and saying that he wouldn't mug fans off with sound bites etc I think I think he does get it from the fans point of view and at times, I'm a little bit frustrated he doesn't reveal a little bit more in press conferences. <laughs> yeah. But I do understand it from his point of view in terms of that they don't want to hand any advantages to the opposition. Uh, and I do feel at times that he, he will reveal stuff for the fans uh, when he can. But other times he realises that he just can't from um, a club point of view. So, yeah, I do think he, he, he said the right message before and after the game on on Friday night. I, yeah, you, you're right. I thought that was 
he was I think it's brilliant from him to, to mention the, the people at home watching it and, and how tough the bigger picture how tough it's going to be with the second lockdown and uh, yeah he, he, he is ultimately and we, we sort of discussed this before a massive football fan at heart and that's what gives him that empathy with, with supporters at the moment but it does feel like he I don't know if I'm like I say am I having a short memory but I don't remember Lee Johnson speaking about the fans quite so much but it may be also because when we're doing presses with him like we did on Thursday afternoon he just won't give us anything in terms of tactics or personnel will he? No I mean that's I mean that's a clear clear difference between the previous manager and the current one is that yeah Lee Johnson was maybe a little bit open about stuff maybe maybe not so much injury news but um, Dean Holden is very coy on, on that kind of stuff and I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure it does hand such a massive advantage to to the opposition but then again I suppose when when the game is settled by such fine margins and maybe just one goal at times that maybe just any advantage just does add up so yeah in terms of Lee Johnson I yeah I can't remember him talking too much about the fans I think there there were times in the past where where they've come into his consideration his thinking but but yeah um Dean Holden seems to be hitting all the right notes at the moment yeah, for, for me, like when, when I hear him talk, that's the first thing he talks about. And then it's sort of football second sometimes, but in, in a nice way. I don't mean that in a derogatory way at all. Um, looking at the patch of form then before we went into this international break, it was a concern. It could have been five defeats in a row, but they turned it round and, and won those two games, which is absolutely massive. Is there a worry that the international break again has come at a bad time because just really couldn't get going after the last one? Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? I, I've asked some supporters about their opinions on that, whether it does come at a good time or a bad time. And I think the consensus consensus is that it comes at a good time, given the injury problems they've got. Let's not forget that they were incredibly stretched, especially for that Cardiff game. And yeah. fair play to, to Dean Holden um, for getting through that game because he obviously lost Famari Jeju to this positive COVID test. He, he's now self self isolating for for ten days. Although actually that kind of could be a, a sort of blessing in disguise because I don't want to downplay the effects of COVID or anything. And he has said himself on social media that he hasn't got any of the main symptoms. He seems to be asymptomatic, which is great. Um, but he was um, called up by the Senegal squad to go yes, and yeah. play against Guinea Bissau um, for two matches in AFCON qualifying, which he's now obviously not going to do. So he's just going to rest up, which is great for the club in terms of him not being away playing. He'll just be resting. And yeah, likewise, they've got other players. Hopefully, as we as I've said, Joe Williams and Liam Walsh to come back after the after the next international break. And yeah, you did have the likes of Opie Edwards and Riley Towler who've been on the bench for the last couple mm. of games. And those guys quite incredible when you look. Yeah. They look so youthful. They look so young, don't they? And people are like, "Who's this?" <laughs> yeah, then those guys are. Young, 19 and 21, I think, and Opie's played a bit, but Riley hasn't played in the league at all. I'm not sure if Opie has. I think Opie was close to coming on the other day, by the way, at Huddersfield Town, wow. I believe. I think he might have been close to coming on ahead of Antoine Semenyo, even, but but um, it depends on it. Well, it depended on what happened in the game, and yeah, so really, those guys aren't quite 
ready yet for first team level so ideally they'd probably go out on loan somewhere and uh, City will get some of the senior players back over the next few weeks and uh, so from that point of view maybe it does come at the right time. Yeah, an indicator though of, with all respect to these young players that where Bristol City are struggling at the moment in terms of squad depth. Is it is it me? But I, I just feel like Bristol City gets so many injuries and maybe it's because we don't scrutinise other clubs in such close detail. But it happens every season. Yeah, it's, well, the only thing is, I mean, we I was discussing this one with Dean Holden before the match that there is... More, there are more injuries at the moment generally across football and Dean Holden was pointing out that the, really the players only had two weeks off in the summer and yeah. it's almost like back-to-back seasons. And then you've got the close proximity of the matches and like just looking at Callum O'Dowder's international fixtures coming up, that is, it's crazy. Ireland have got a possible, I think, three games, mm-hmm. which is they've just crowbarred in three games into what normally is a, a, a two-game break and that's on top of seven games in 21 days that sorry 20 days it was 20 days yeah yeah Uh, yeah because they pulled forward the Cardiff game to the Friday which again is fair play to Dean Holden because he's had to negotiate all all of this and so I I don't think it's any wonder that we are seeing seeing more injuries and yeah I I saw uh, a stat that was saying that Premier League injuries are up 17% year on year. And Dean Holden said it was 43% as regards soft tissue injuries. Wow. So, so yeah, all in all, we've got to unfortunately expect a few more at the moment. Well, yeah. And then after the international break, it is every Saturday and Tuesday, give or take, you know, days when there's different games, all the way through till January. December is crazy. (laughs) And then in January... You think, oh, there's a break there. No, that's the FA Cup. And then they get the FA Cup out of the way. And then it becomes, again, a lot of Saturdays, Tuesdays, and well, as you head towards sort of February time. But wow, the schedule in December is intense. And it's just, it does feel like if they, were, they had a short break in the summer, but could they have done anything differently, Gregor? Because we started the season four weeks late, which is why we're having this congestion. It's always congested in the Championship, but even more so this year. Yeah. But there's, there's no alternative, is there? Because they want Euro 2020 to happen in 2021. Yeah, I mean, it's always a slog, the Championship. A marathon, and this this year is the marathon of marathons. Um, so, yeah, where that stands in in a li- list of marathons, I don't know. Marathon, <laughs> marathon de Sable. Marathon de Sable. It is what it is, isn't it? You know, it's the same for every club. They've got to get on with it. But um, have they been a bit streaky, do you think? Because I thought maybe they'd stop that when Lee Johnson left because he was the one that was labelled streaky Lee. But they did have well, that bad patch. So, like, <laughs> what are we going to see now, do you think? Well, I think there's a little bit of that, but then you could probably argue that about almost every club in the division. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at Reading at the moment. They've well, lost yeah. the last three three games in a row, haven't they? And yeah, there's a, a few others in, in the same boat as them. Uh, certainly Sheffield Wednesday went through a little bit of a dip, didn't they? Four, five losses in a row. So it's that kind of league, unfortunately. Yeah. The only thing I'd add to that is that it wasn't me, but um, another reporter <laughs> asked Dean Holden about that streakiness, and uh, he refused to be drawn about it in the, in the following the last home game. And uh, he, he was a little bit sensitive about that, actually. So I don't know if uh, 
that's because it was a moniker of Lee Johnson's or what, and he doesn't yeah, yeah. he doesn't want to pick it up or what. But well, yeah. let's let's just round off this part then by saying this is a credit to Josh Jones who uh, fed us this great Bristol City stat that you tweeted that Bristol City have twenty points from eleven games so far this championship season, which is exactly what they had after eleven games last season, and in four of the last five league seasons after 11 games, which is absolutely incredible, Gregor. I mean, they're nothing but consistent up until this point in the season, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's great start. Well played, Josh. And yeah, it, it's, that's incredible, isn't it? I just hope they're going to keep it together. And I, I think there are some signs that they are. They're, from the sort of stats that we're tracking, I, I asked Dean Holden about sort of expected goals and things like that, which measure trends. And I do think year on year they are showing generally that the chances they're giving away and creating are slightly better um, than, than in previous years. So I do think that they are a slightly better team. And as a result, they should be closer to the top six. Not sure they're going to make it, but I think they're going to go close or be, mm. be in the mix anyway. Let's hope so. Right, coming up, we are going to be talking about the youth that is making a big impression elsewhere and the free agent market. We are still doing our league this weekend with Who Knows Wins, where you can predict six scores. And the more you get right, the more points you get and the more money you can potentially win in the pot. The league code is Robins and we'll tweet all the details at Robins at the Gate on Twitter. Robins at the Gate. With Who Knows Wins. This is not betting as you know it. Download the app now and start playing. Robins at the Gate with Michelle Owen. Welcome back. So International Weekend this weekend. So, uh, well, International Week, really, like Gregor said, some countries are, are getting three games in in this next break. And there's Bristol City players affected by that as well. They're going off on international duty. A very trying time for some players while they try and squeeze all these games and they must be exhausted. But I guess if you're a professional footballer, that's all part of it. But Gregor, it does mean there's been more injuries this season as we discussed in part one. And that has led to eyes being cast towards the free agent market. And a big name in particular being mentioned. I always feel a little bit nervous, Gregor, with the free agent market because I'm like, well, they're a free agent for a reason. Um, but sometimes, you know, you look at Jack Wilshire. He's a free agent at the moment. It's sometimes things just haven't worked out for them where they've been or they've been injury prone or it's been a bit of bad luck. So tell us who Bristol City are potentially looking at at the time of recording. Well, they've spoken to a few defenders, but one in particular is Adrian Mariapa, the former Watford defender, who was released in the summer. And he is actually has been called up by Jamaica um, recently to be involved with the nas national team. However, he's been allowed dispensation to sort out his club future with the reggae boys about to play Saudi Arabia a couple of times. And that kind of hints that he's close to a move. And we have found out that Bristol City have an interest in him. So that is one to keep an eye on. And as I say, actually this, well, Dean Holden said himself that, that he was considering the free agent market and that he had spoken to um, a couple of players. So yeah, it could be that he comes in and he might be a, a good pickup. But as you say, there's got to be some reservations about bringing in out-of-contract players because you're right, there's there's a reason why they're yeah. out-of-contract. Yeah, he's 34. He did play 20 times in the Premier League last season, which, you know, it's, it's not bad. It would indicate he's, he's still fit. And before that, he played in the Premier League for Watford 
for a couple of seasons. So, and he's played in the Championship before. He's played for Palace. He's also been at Reading. Um, so he's he's been at Watford though, as on the whole, since 2004-2005. So that's a long, long time. Um, why is it that they released him? Do we know? Is it you know? I, I've watched Watford a few times this season, and they are a very good side. But why did they? let him go because he's got so much experience, 197 championship appearances and 168 in the Premier League, 422 career appearances in all. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I guess ultimately they just felt that they had better or were bringing in better players and it was just the right time to to look elsewhere. Mm. But I know that their uh, CEO, Scott Duxbury, admitted the other day that they probably hadn't given Mariapa all due respect because they didn't even announce that he was leaving the club, actually. And, and, and no... been there for so, for so long, yeah. on and off. On and off, yeah. you know. and, But I do think that when you get to that kind of age, 34, and we've seen it with Nicky Mainpar at Bristol City as well, that sometimes it is a little bit difficult in, in terms of negotiation on wages and, and, and how long you're going to be contracted for. And sometimes these things are, are left to play out to their own devices and, and it, it can sometimes le- then lead to you leaving the club or whatever. Just on Mariapa, um, as, as I say, Bristol City aren't, according to our, well, our understanding is they haven't made a final decision on him, but they have an interest. And it could be that they decide to not bring anyone in no, um, this international window because they feel that they're fairly close to getting injury injured players back. Now, Nathan Baker is is due to be back next month by the end of, but that could still be another 10, 11 games that he misses. But the big one is Alfie Mawson, and we understand there's a chance that he might be back next month as well. He's got a knee injury. The club have not released too much information on that and certainly haven't set a timescale at all. They're being very coy about that one. However, we believe there is a chance he might be back in the not-too-distant future. So given all that, Basically, the club has got a, a big decision to make on Mariapa. And obviously, Viner and Taylor Moore have done all right in the, um, in the last few games as well. So, um, plenty to factor in. I guess the thing is as well with that is you might stand from outside point of view and think, oh, you may as well. He's a free agent. You know, there's no transfer fee involved. But, you know, it's still going to be thousands of pounds on wages a week, isn't it? And you don't want to be wasting those wages if, if those players are due back as soon as we, we hope they might be. Absolutely, that's the thing. I I think a lot of fans would agree that they maybe could just do with that one extra defender, especially if it was someone who can cover on the right. And Mariapa can. Yeah. Yeah, can do that. And they have, remember, lost Stephen Sessegnon for several months with a hamstring injury. And so they might need someone to, to cover there. So I, I think maybe the squad is just one defender short. But you're right, you've got to factor that against who's going to be coming back and how likely are they to play? And then, yeah, wages probably wouldn't be very, um, well, they'd probably be on the higher side of the squad given his age and his experience. So a lot to factor in for the the Bristol City hierarchy and um, yeah, we'll see what they decide soon. Let's have some positivity. Let's talk about the youth at Bristol City, or two two players actually. And uh, we've been speaking to our colleague John Palmer, who covers a lot of sport Cheltenham way, Cheltenham town as well. There's two players, uh, Gregor, that we'll we'll hear about in just a second. 15-year-old Kai Churchley, who was signed for Bristol City after a spell at Bishop's Cleeve. And also there is Callum Wood, who's 17. Just give me a quick lowdown on, on them and then we'll hear from John. 
Yeah, it's, it's actually three players, but um, we're going to hear about two of them from John because they come, well, they've been from his neck of the woods yeah. and he's done a fantastic job covering covering those stories. So, yeah, there's um, Kai Churchley, as you, as you say there, who's 15 and has really impressed John when he's seen him playing. And there were some big clubs in, in for him, Aston Villa, Tottenham. Isn't he a Villa uh, fan as well? He, he is, he it's is. Quite um, it's quite incredible that he's City. Yeah, it could be a, a bit of a coup for the club there. And it's just interesting to hear about recruitment at that level and also the, the vital role that Brian Tinian actually has done at that level, done a fantastic job for the club as ever. And uh, yeah, John will fill in the details on him. And also, yeah, defender Callum Wood. And then there's a third player as well, um, Marley, I've got his name temporarily, Um Marley Rose, Marley Rose, um, who's come from the Bristol Inner City Inner City Academy. Those yeah. three guys have all been announced recently as joining the Bristol City Academy. And uh, but it's, we're going to hear about Callum and Kai from John. Yeah, we're well, starting with Kai. Um, I saw him play twice in pre-season, um, where he really caught my eye playing for Bishop's Cleves first team. Um, he was playing for a team called Sherrington Rovers last season, which, um, funnily enough, are actually coached by. Charlton Town's media manager Richard Joyce so he was coaching Kai as a youth team player last season which is amazing really so Richard Joyce is coaching Kai Churchley in the under 16's team and Charlton Town actually made an official 7 day approach to give this man a trial um, so they'd obviously, he'd obviously caught their eye uh, playing in the, the local leagues in Cheltenham so he spent an extended period on trial with Charlton Town last season um, he, he trained a lot with the academy they had a good look at him, but he didn't get much game time. And I think he got a bit frustrated that he wasn't given more of a chance to impress because uh, he, he, he decided that wasn't for him. Um, they, they didn't seem to want to make a decision. They didn't seem that keen. And just from my point of view, being a Cheltenham-based journalist, I'm, I'm really disappointed that Cheltenham didn't, didn't snap him up. But for whatever reason, he ended up joining Bishop's Cleave in the summer. Uh, 15 years old. Um, straight away, he caught the eye of the Bishop's Cleave manager, Paul Collicutt. And Collicutt wanted to play him in, in a Hellenic League games, but he wasn't old enough. So the club did a lot of checking rounds. Um, in the Football League, if you've got a Category 3 above Academy, Category 3 or above Academy, and you get permission from the parents in the school, you can play 15-year-old lads in first-team fixtures. But in the Hellenic League, you're not allowed to play until you're 16. So he would have probably had some senior men's experience with Bishop Cleave had he been a year older. Um, because he's that good. But he was able to take part in some of their pre-season friendlies. And um, I saw him go on from the bench against Larkhall Athletic at Kate Lane. And straight away, within seconds of going on, he, he caught my eye. He, he was running at players. He was strong. He's, he's very sort of, I'd say he's, he's an early developer in terms of he's like a man, even though he's still only 15. He was definitely didn't look like he struggled with the physical side of it. And uh, Larkhall were at full strength. They're one league above Cleve. Their Southern League Division One South, South Division One South, and he went on and made a really big impact. So from that moment onwards, you know I've kept an even closer eye on him. They had a good little run in the FA Youth Cup, and he played against Yeovil, and that's when there was a host of scouts there watching Kai, um, including Bristol City. I think Brian Tinian was at that game, and I'm pretty sure he he got invited straight after that game to go for a trial at Bristol City. But there was a lot of other scouts there watching as well. So that's how he sort of ended up first getting contacted by Bristol City, was his form for Cleve, 
and I think his performance in that FA Youth Cup game against Yeovil, which Cleve lost, but they put up a good, you know, put up a good show against a team a lot higher up in the football pyramid than they are. Yeah, he's a Villa fan I've seen on social media, and wasn't there some interest from some some Premier League clubs even, or having a look at him at least? Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest tributes to Bristol City is that Kai's dad, Christian, who played football locally, was a decent player um, and used to manage a team called Cheltenham Civil Service. Uh, he was also at Cheltenham Saracens as assistant manager. So he's pretty pretty well known on the local Cheltenham footballing scene. He is a huge Villa fan. Um, and Kai who has actually got a soft spot for Cheltenham Town and was at quite a lot of Cheltenham Town games last season in the, fan, in, in, in the stands. He's also a Villa fan. So if, if Villa come calling... And Kai still ends up going to Bristol City. I think that does speak volumes for what Brian Tinian said and what the club were, were able to offer in terms of facilities, the pathway. Uh, there was other clubs interested. I know Forest Green were interested. Uh, Tottenham were watching him. Birmingham City were sniffing around. I think uh, Bristol City basically just blew the Churchley family out. Of the, you know, blew, blew the socks off in terms of what they offered and the facilities, the, the way that Brian spoke to them and the, the pathway that they have and the proven track record they have of bringing young, young lads through the system. Great to hear, great to hear. And and then Callum Wood, um, you, I saw a great piece from yourself, John, on, online. I th- did you speak to him y- yourself? Yeah, I've spoken to Callum. I've, I've seen Callum play once, which was actually in one of the games that was mentioned in the article. I saw him play for Sunderford against Hereford, which was, would have been quite a strange experience for him because he's a Hereford lad. He was on the books of Hereford. He ended up joining Cinderford at 16. Um, the, the move sort of came about, I think he knew Paul Michael, who was Cinderford manager at the time, is now in charge at Yate Town. He knew Paul Michael and his assistant, Andrew Smith, from their time at Monmouth Town. Um, so he, they knew of his talent. They were keen to get him along from Hereford to Cinderford, obviously not too far geographically, get him some senior football. And he, he came on, for about 20-25 minutes against um, his own team against to Cinderford and obviously at that game it was a pre-season friendly I was there for Gloucester Live looking at predominantly looking at Cinderford's new signings so he was one of the names that stood out to me as somebody that I didn't really know much about so I kept an eye on him and a few others and he came on and I thought he looked very tidy I wouldn't say he did anything spectacular in that game but he certainly held his own then I, then I heard that he broken into Cinderford's first team after after a little bit of time on the bench and a couple of um, sort of minor cup appearances he scored an absolute screamer against Evesham in a 4-0 win at Evesham um, absolutely brilliant left foot strike from the edge of the box and suddenly he was getting rave reviews uh, I know Paul Michael was very pleased with what he was doing um, he then unfortunately dislocated his shoulder in January just when there was some interest from Bristol City and some other clubs as well that that obviously hampered his progress and delayed everything. Then it, that was delayed further by COVID. So I think this move to Bristol City might have happened earlier had he not got that injury in January and then obviously the season finished early for, for the non-league clubs. But they have got him and he's a real talent as well. So Kai is obviously very much an attacking player. I would say a forward or either side of a front three. He probably could play wide. He's quick, he's strong. Uh, Callum, I would say, is, is a left-sided defender, left of a three, left-back, left-wing-back. Uh, but certainly got a good attacking threat in his armoury as well. Well, that's all very positive, isn't it, from, from John, who uh, covers football up Cheltenham Way, namely Cheltenham Town, but as you hear then, he's also very much on the pulse in terms of young players as well. And it's a sign that Bristol City have got 
some convincing people on board to be able to bring in these young, uh, promising players, isn't it, Gregor? Well, the pathway is very important to the club, and to be fair to them, we've. I mean, I mean, we did question it like a few weeks ago when Joe Morell left. Mm. However, at the same time, you're now seeing Antoine Semenyo developing very nicely. Tyree Backinson, he, he didn't come through the academy, but he came in at a young age, and he's had a great season season so far. You've got Max O'Leary um, on the bench there, as we say, said Riley Tower and Opie Edwards were there recently as well. So, yeah, I think it's well worth keeping an eye on these young guys, and that's why, why it's a, a good good to hear about these these guys because um, you never know in a couple of years they could be the next Joe Bryan and Bobby Reed so so yeah we'll see what happens there yeah, absolutely. And, and a word as well, as we often so do to Brian Tinian, who manages a lot of the loans for the younger players. And what will be the future for the two lads we've just talked about more in, in detail? Will they be playing for the youth sides, the academy sides? And what age do they tend to go out on loan? Because they're not far off that, are they? And usually they'll go quite often local places to here, like Western and, and some perhaps some sort of that sort of level for those players. Would that be about right, Gregor? Well, you'd expect them to probably play for the under-18 side, and if they can impress in, at that level, then mm. it could be for the under-23s, who have done very well recently, actually. They've won four of their last five professional development league matches. Uh, they beat Coventry the other day, and uh, they've got several good talents at that level. There are other clubs, such as yep. Sam Pearson, who scored, um, we've spoken about him before, he's a Wales under-19 striker, actually he was in the... Wales under-21 squad not not so long ago. He scored a great goal for uh, the under-23s. I think that was the winner against Coventry recently. And, yeah, they've got several good talents pushing. And that's what you want. These guys will probably join the, that group. Um, and then when do they decide that they, they go out on loan from there then? Well, that comes down to uh, an individual decision because I actually spoke to yeah, Gary Prober, the head of the academy recently about that because I was doing a piece on the left-backs and they've got a really great young left-back who I rate, Vince Harper, mm. who's done very well recently. And I wondered if he was going out on loan. And he is, I think, only 18, 19 as well. But the problem is he's got two other left-backs at that level who are already at other clubs camping ah. at Portsmouth, yes, Portsmouth bring, yeah. and, and George Nurse at Walsall. So the problem is you can't let all of them go out, otherwise you end up with no left-backs to yeah. play under-18s, under-23s level. So it's a careful one to be considered. And uh, yeah, we might we might see Vince go out in January and we might see one of the others come back or something or or depends. I, I guess it depends on how often they're playing at their clubs, etc. I guess so, sometimes yeah. as well, they, they do go out on a sort of a more local base as well if they're that bit younger, but to also get them into men's football if they see that potential, like I, I mentioned Western there and, and other sort of local teams, perhaps you, you know more about Bath City than I do, but it seems to be yeah. um, a very joint decision on where they go. It's quite intriguing to see how they make that decision, isn't it? Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. They have that, a really good network of clubs. I know Brian Tinian is central to that. Some of the academy other st academy staff as well. You're right. They use Bath. They use smaller clubs. Yate, um, yeah, where Louis Gritton was. I think he came from there. And uh, yeah, some of the other local ones as well. Western. We've had we've had players there. Then you've got obviously the the links to Newport and and even Torquay. Torquay doing great under Gary Johnson at the moment. So, yeah, all these clubs, they've got great relationships for, and it's almost becoming like a stepping stone pathway through those clubs up to the first team. I think it's, it's really smart thinking and uh, seems to be working. 
Absolutely. Nice to end on a positive note after talking about all those injuries as well. So uh, it's a, a bright future and we always talk about how well the youth system is managed at Bristol City and, and there's another example of it there and hearing from our colleague John Palmer too. Thanks to John for talking to us. Uh, Greg, well, thank you. Have you got any downtime then? Because you don't have to travel for miles and miles. It's not a Saturday, Tuesday. It's quiet now until Derby next Saturday, isn't it? I have. I've got a couple of... Um couple of days off this week actually try and get it get my holiday used up before it all goes berserk as you, as you said with all those games coming are, you, after. are you still able to get to under 23 games at the moment I went down to Western Supermare the other week although I missed half the game actually because I got caught in the traffic it was no. horrible <laughs> yeah there was an oil spill or something on the M5 so uh, they actually delayed the kickoff for the game but um, not for me but um, <laughs> <laughs> you are important but, but, but for some of the players I think as well uh. but, um, yeah but hopefully again soon yeah well um, Bristol City v Derby is the next game and there's all sorts going on at Derby at the moment behind the scenes and on the pitch as well uh, they are struggling at the bottom of the championship which is quite incredible when you consider that Sheffield Wednesday had a points deduction as well and Sheffield Wednesday are now above them we'll look into that game in more detail I think it'll be a chance to reflect on the way Bristol City's run as well and the two contrasts between the clubs so uh, looking forward to talking about that next week Greg also enjoy your couple of days off um, whatever you choose to do with them I mean you live in in Wales so you can you can get out and about a little bit can't you because you are under out of under lockdown rules am I right yeah yeah it's our lockdown has finished today actually so oh, right. yeah I, go I, and get I, yourself I, a point <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah maybe yeah nice one Greg alright thanks as always for your time and thank you for listening if you're listening on iTunes please um, rate and review us you can subscribe to us as well whatever your podcast provider is we're on Spotify as well as iTunes and other various providers and check out our Who Knows Wins League this week we'll test your League 1 and League 2 knowledge and have a little dip into that and we'll be back next week thank you very much for listening Robins at the Gate with Who Knows Wins this is not betting as you know it download the app now and start playing please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts